0: You're listening to Putting It In Writing, a Headstuff podcast about Irish publishing. In each episode, we take a look at the different parts of the industry and find out how they work and whether they're working. In the last couple of episodes, we heard about distribution and how booksellers seek out certain titles. Once the books get there, though, it takes a little bit of extra effort to get them off the shelves. From our point of view, this is the easy part. What I mean is the work which goes into informing our selection. Who is it that lets us know which book is specifically the one for us? Who is it that rouses sleeper hits from their slumber? And who makes sure we'll be able to hear about our new favourite books from the people who wrote them? Let's begin with launch day. At this point, the book is done. Printed, bound, delivered. Soon, the reading public will be rocking up demanding signed editions. In short, it's an exciting evening. Here's Lisa and Sarah from Tramp Press.
1: So launch day, then we go have dinner, loads of wine. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, I'm trying to develop um, a new tradition where I have a shot right before Lisa and I go up and say something uh, yeah. about the book I just I really hate speaking in public it's the absolute worst yeah, so maybe. I like stand there and just sh- like shiver in my boots and luckily Lisa I say something incoherent and then Lisa jumps in thank goodness and says something like really smart and articulate I have a and friend who promised me Valiant for <laughs> <laughs> where the Valium, and Valium yeah. Valiant <laughs> yet. he's a crap doctor <laughs> <laughs> we get really nervous it's really stressful it's really mm. launch it's, day it's really always stressful. goes really well it's always fabulous it's always so there's mm. nice turnout there's always you know and you sell lots of books, and it's really fun. It is, but ugh, it's nerve-wracking. I have to say, from like A to B is about a year. Mm, that would okay. be about normal. Um And in the middle of all that, of course, at some point we're applying to the Arts Council for money to it's do. It. Oh, yeah. It's always a massive job. It's like it's like publishing a book in itself. It's that yeah. kind of workload. You yeah. know, which okay. you know that's fair. It's well, it's, it's public funding, so you know it's fair yeah. we should jump through hoops to do it. But it, yeah, it's it's a it's a big job. It's a big um, job for not loads of money. Um But yeah, so. I think there is a sense that some publishers at launch day, they're like, oh, well, you know, they kind of dust off their hands and yeah. they're like, okay, book's yeah. done now. And we really try and view launch day as a launch day, as the actual kicking off day. And after that, it's really about getting the writer out there, yes. making the most of the reviews, trying to sensationalize it, essentially, if we yeah. possibly can. Um, um, booking the author into lots of festivals and just, you know, yeah, really running around a lot oh. with it. I mean, what the, the main reason we only want to publish three books a year, or one of the two main reasons, I guess, is that we really want to give every book that we publish as much room as possible to be a success and to give it really all of our energy. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that's our thinking behind that.
0: This is the reality. Most of the work is still to be done. This is where the publicist comes in. That said, much of the publicity has begun quite a long time ago.
1: Ronald, he's our publicist. Yes. Oh, he's okay. amazing. Yeah, yeah, So we sit down with Peter and we tell him, so we always have a really long lead-in. Hmm. But when you sit down and talk to Peter, you're already six months behind. He's okay. like, I <laughs> need a manuscript, I need <laughs> How samples. do you not have a cover already? I need a cover, <laughs> I need all these things. And he's like, listen, here's what I think we should do. Look, I've got these ideas, I've got a million ideas, and uh, we need to meet the author straight away.
0: Here's Peter himself. Um, yeah, yeah my
2: my I came into publishing when I was in my you know quite late i suppose in my 30s i'd, right. I'd worked as a teacher and taught english and yeah, lived abroad okay. and 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 um so i was involved um in a startup liberty's press for uh, yes. uh, for several years and okay. um so when i was working there uh, we did one book the first year then three books i think the second and then seven so it grew yeah uh, slowly and um and uh when I was there, almost exclusively non fiction mm. um and so when I was there one of my my principal roles was dealing with the media right and okay. there was a very conscious decision uh, at that stage that we you know that we'd handle press and media in house now okay. that was <laughs> yeah. down to budget and yeah. logistics okay. and things like that, but also i mean uh, it's 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 tricky because I work for myself and I right. work with several publishers now, so they okay. hire me right, as okay. their publicist. So yeah. essentially, I'm, I'm. It's interesting. I often deal more with the author day to day because mm. I'm, contact. Yeah. You know, can you do this interview or can you meet yeah. somebody, um, or can you write five hundred words, etc., cetera. Et cetera. Mm. Uh, but in many cases, I have to remember my client is the publisher. Yes. My client is not the is not the, <laughs> not author. the author, so I'm kind of like a little bit in the middle there. Yeah. But um, so I I think. Um, well, this, this time of year is probably my busiest time of year right. because it's the autumn and okay. uh, allegedly 60 to 70% of all books are sold in the six weeks right. in and around Christmas. So typically, um, both in, in Ireland and abroad, yes, this is the really, really big period of publishing. Mm. Uh, a lot of publishers would hold their big titles over to this time of year. And certainly in terms of Irish publishing, that would be the case. Right. In
0: any given day? There are three main things that Peter will be doing.
2: One thing is I'm, uh, I'm following up, which is critical in my job. Yes, um, okay. In the sense that I'd probably have three or four books from different publishers which are have been sent out, maybe 30 right. hard copies, 40 hard copies. Okay. So I've got to follow up all of those books and say, look, did you get them? Are mm. you interested? What would you like to do? Okay. So that's just a kind of mechanical thing, but yes. in a way it's really, really important because every book you send out, you want to get some kind of result for yes. and certainly I think you'd want to be hitting thirty-three to forty to fifty percent. Uh, okay. Um, so I have a book at the moment called Charlie One, which is a, a, a memoir of a covert uh, operations yes. in Northern Ireland. So that book is really taken off, and uh, yeah. And the good thing about that is people are coming to me. Mm. Then the second kind of thing I probably do in my day is I'm, I, I, you know, not every day, but I probably have one or two meetings. Right. On average a day. I'd say maybe okay. one meeting a day and often that's with an author whose book I'm about to pub- right.
0: promote Publi- yeah.
2: or else maybe with the publisher again about their one particular title or a series of titles. So again, getting a sense of, of, of getting as, as briefed as I can. In reality, I can't read every book yes. I, I promote. Right. Um, in terms of non-fiction, mm. I have to... In nonfiction is easier not to have read every word. Well, yes, if there's a book on the Rising, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm familiar with the Rising. Yeah. If there's a book even on obesity or health, you know, yeah. there are issues that we have a degree of familiarity about. Yes, look, okay. I'd always look as closely as I can at a text, particularly right. I'd look at five, six chapters, the introduction, and my author. I'd often meet an author to to get a sense from them of what's newsworthy mm, okay. um, or if there's something, if a book can be a bit technical to try and explain to the author that we need to communicate in a, yeah. in a more simple way or in a more digestible way. Um, okay. So those those meetings are critical in a sense because they're, in a sense, trying to get a, a flavor of a project um, and also to look at what, uh, what priorities a publisher might have or what or an author might have. Also, a lot of what I do would be explaining to authors the process right. because essentially things that are, are, are right, you know, sort of things waxing and waning. Okay. So um, so that often would be the case. And then I, I suppose mm. the third thing I do typically in my day would be to generate content. So yeah, okay. um, like a, a writing press releases is, is really – a press release could is 300 words, Yeah, okay. one page. I might spend – Three or four hours yeah, writing 300 draft. words, <laughs> yeah. which uh, like in some ways I suppose like a fiction writer, but that just has to be right. Yes. It also has to be right by the publisher, it has to be right by the author, yeah. um, and it has to communicate in a very succinct way everything that we want to talk about the book.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, so, that, so, so that's kind of a typical day. Um, we also spoke to Amy Heron, who at the time of this interview managed publicity at the Irish Writers' Centre. She tells a similarly busy story.
3: It's a lot of work, you know, people might think that working in publicity is glamorous, but you're, you know, lifting boxes of books upstairs and you're carrying bottles of wine and you're you know you're um you're a waitress in many respects as well on the night and you're uh running around i would be surprised if you met anyone who worked in the uh publicity sector in in publishing who doesn't have a a shiny glistening face at all times (laughs) there's a lot of sweat involved i I suppose the the beauty of uh the, the job is that we you know it's not a regular office space it is obviously this this grand Georgian building on Barnell Square, and we're, um, you know, we're so lucky to have it. Barely day goes by that we don't overhear someone coming in, kind of pinching themselves, going, "Oh my god, this place is amazing!" And you know, it, is, it is a real privilege, not just to work in that sort of architectural environment, but also, you know, to think of the history that's gone on, the people that have walked through the doors. Um, and then even the courses and, uh, that we have now, you know, there is a real sense of, of buzz and creativity. And that's um, just really nice to be around. A bit frantic, I have to say, at times. because We get, we get a lot of people into our doors on a daily basis, um, many of whom confuse us with the Dublin Writers Museum next door.
0: For anyone who doesn't know, the Irish Writers Centre inhabits a large Georgian house on Parnell Square. From there, they run a range of events, workshops and other initiatives.
3: And then as well as our regular events, um, which happened throughout the year, we had quite a special one, uh, which was co-funded or which was um, funded, I should say, uh, by the Arts Council uh, as part of the uh, Arts16 project. And that was called A Poet's Rising. So we asked um, various contemporary poets to actually draft new pieces of work. So new poems effectively um, inspired by the people and places of the 1916 rising. Um, and then that culminated in both a live event and it's also available actually as an app for download, I think, if not now, very soon. <laughs> in terms of our own planning, then we like to try and be as organized as possible. So like already, obviously, we're September now. We're um, still, you know, still putting final touches, I guess, to our the latter half of our autumn programming. But um, generally we would have ideas of what we want to do, what partners we're working with. We work with a lot of literary festivals, um, sometimes universities, other resource organisations as well. So usually we would have an idea about those sorts of projects um, at least six months ahead of time. And, you know, there's there's so much on, I guess, in the literary scene as well that we're trying to, you know, you don't want to be programming too many things in May when the International Literature Festival is on. I don't want to be doing in November with the Dublin Book Festival so and there's so many other um, festivals as well taking place regionally as well as in the city centre so it's trying to be you know cognizant of all of that um, but still not getting too put off if we have a clashing date with someone else.
0: Contrary to popular belief the Irish Writers Centre is not a scary place.
3: Before I started working at the centre I wasn't really sure what it what it did or what it was there for I had this you know image of it being quite um austere a bit too bit too grandiose for my own uh for my own liking and I was really pleasantly surprised to find the opposite um yeah that um it's it's such a welcoming place and I think uh that I don't think I was alone, or, or certainly in my experience, I haven't found that, um, or I've found that people who maybe hadn't heard of the centre before or hadn't come to it uh, would have had this preconceived notion of, you know, fancy poetry evenings and it being very exclusive. And I guess I'm really happy to say that it's not. It's, it's welcoming to writers who are, you know, maybe. Uh, penning two lines of a poem every year as equal you know it, as well as you know someone who's who's uh, writing two novels per year or something it's quite we're we're quite a welcoming bunch and we're we're not exclusive in terms of um what we see as uh you know in terms of our own definition of writing so for us writing is songwriting it's screenwriting script writing it's expanding that that genre and I think that's a really cool place to be you know in 2016 that writing doesn't have to be poetry or prose that it can be all of these other things and um yeah it's really really great to be a part of something like that I don't know if you quite call it a a movement but certainly um an expanding of of the definition is 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 good enough I guess for the time being.
0: Returning to the subject of publicity have you ever wondered how writers notoriously reclusive people that they are Turn up on national radio from time to time.
2: You know occasionally I would accompany an author to media engagements that I'm not a PR person, I'm a book publicist. Yes. that's what I am okay, I, I do yeah, book yeah. publicity right so um, you know most of my authors uh, if they want to go if they have to go to RTE. They know yeah. where RT is. I explain the situation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I have an author who's new to it or are very nervous, I might bring them in the first time okay. or something like that. Um, and occasionally it's good for me to meet the producer face to face just yeah, because yes, I, I don't yes. see them that often.
0: Okay. Um, so that's sort of, that's where I'm at. Um. Even though he might not go himself, it is important for Peter to know who is out there another
2: little bit of my job would be often, I, I, I maybe would spend an hour, maybe in an hour, but a half an hour, maybe a day, yeah. actually doing research. Okay. Who is the producer of that show? Oh, yeah. Okay. Who is the best reporter? Because a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of what I do, it's about getting it to the right person at the mm. right time. And, in the world of media, there's a lot of volatility. News talk have just, just this autumn introduced a brand new schedule. Yeah. So a lot of the producers I deal with have have moved shows. Okay. A lot of the presenters I'm familiar with have moved shows. Mm. So you've relationships that have been there and an understanding of what the editorial policy was. Yeah, and then and now that's changed. To, yeah. So again, so in a way you have to, you've got to keep, um, keep on your toes and you've got to keep an eye on... On yeah. what's happening out there, so a lot of what I do is well, I listen to the radio a lot, yeah, and I read the newspapers a lot because again, yeah. you realize who's doing what and mm. what kind of things they're interested in,
0: yes, yeah, okay, well, yeah, there's a lot to stay on top of, um, yeah, yeah yeah, but
2: again, it's just I think it's like anybody yes. i mean you, if you're if you follow current affairs and uh I mean, I suppose I, I'm unique. I listened to the last two minutes of a radio
0: show and okay. I listen for today's show was pr- produced yes. by, because that's the person <laughs> yeah. I need to, to talk to. Get to get in contact, yeah. yeah. There you have it, Irish producers. When Peter is tuning in, the pressure is really on. Now, there is a certain amount of work involved. Peter is able to stay on top of it.
2: In, in, the, in the media space that you're trying to get into, yes. you're competing not just with your, your Irish Peers, yeah. but you're also competing with international peers. So if yes. you want to be, there's four book pages in the Irish Times every Saturday. Yeah. So they maybe yeah, they review to kind of eight or ten books. Yes. So if you're up against the new Don DeLillo, or yeah. you're up against uh, a really big history title published by Alan, Alan Lane, yeah, uh, you got to you got you've got to you've got to try and get in
0: there. Yeah. And one of th- a smaller national media also means, however, that there is little margin for error.
2: Yeah. And
0: one of the things that's really important is. Uh, consequently
2: is to understand the timelines because Mm. um, for a book to be reviewed you probably need to be giving it to to a a, a reviewer four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks out. Yes. And particularly at this time of year because between now and Christmas there's maybe going to be 40 books reviewed in the Irish Times yes. or, or, or the Irish Independent or the Sunday Business Post. Yeah. And uh, and a lot of those books will be the same books. Yes. So you want to make sure you're in there yeah. and you want to make sure your clients' books are in there. Mm. But the challenge there is British publishers work on a longer lead lines mm. because their sales are longer, the yeah. lead lines are longer. So what I'm trying to do with my, a lot of my clients is to, to, to get material in mm-hmm. good time, right? Uh, and and to explain to editors, hey, look, I have this. There's a big history book in October. There's yep. a big, so that might mean giving them a proof, a bound proof, yep. four to six weeks out, which is an expense and it's something that has to be factored in. But yeah, if it's... you get a review on the Saturday in November, yeah, that's as people huge, are going to, yeah. or see like, people go out to buy their Christmas presents. That's critical. You know,
0: there are certain ways to streamline these interactions
2: trying to get stuff into the media. You first you need to understand what they are looking for. And yes. sometimes what you have is a is a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, okay. So for example recently um I had a, a fiction client. Yeah. So fiction is the very difficult because there's very few spaces for there's fiction. There's very few art shows on the radio mm. or on the television. There, I don't think there is an art show anymore. Mm. Uh, and then there's very few literary pages or arts pages so essentially I got my writer to write a first-person non-fiction piece yeah. about growing up where he was from because okay. where he was from was central it's ushin Fagan he oh, yes. wrote he wrote yeah, he wrote, the he wrote in, in the Sunday independent okay. about mead because he's from mead and the book okay. is set in this kind of dystopian mead right. and uh, <laughs> so he wrote a non-fiction piece about himself okay. and about his upbringing and about place and that was So in a national newspaper, the biggest selling national newspaper in the country, Mm. I had a thousand words by my author with a big picture and then an extract from his from his one of his short stories. Yes. But what I did there is by understanding what was an option. Yeah. By giving them that option then we then we were in, yeah, but if I just gone oh here 's a debut we, short story collection
0: yeah it's you not, not going not to yeah, yeah, work, yeah.
2: it might get reviewed yeah. i mean this is, fiction is the real challenge in this country because there's just so few outlets mm. uh if you have a non fiction book if you 've a book around health, if you a book about history, mm. if you 've a book about um even how sort of how to books sort yes here 's a book around tax or here 's a book around uh protecting your house. Mm. There's great space out there because there's loads of of national radio regional radio and mm. and if you go to a newspaper and say five tips that will yeah. save you 5000 euro yeah, most funny. newspaper editors go well this is and it's written by somebody who's credible yeah then you know then that's they funny. Yeah. so a lot of what I do is actually speculative I get I get a lot of my clients to write something for me mm, okay and uh, and I say well look maybe will you we, this might fly it might not fly but okay. if, if I don't have it it's not going to fly at all it's almost sort of sort of say I think if we write something for this outlet in yeah. this way yeah we have a good chance mm. if you wrap I don't want to denigrate uh, you know journalism or or, 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 the, or the media but you know if you package if you if you understand what they need mm, and you yeah. present something that is professionally packaged yes you know with a jpeg mm. with in in the correct format if you've got images images are critical in any in any cell, if you've great mm. images they really help yeah. so if you can put a really nice package together and say there you go yeah. this is all yeah, wrapped ready and made. ready to go yeah then then what's not like what's not to like mm. and everybody wins they get some great content and, yeah. and what we get is coverage and we mm. get
0: in all of Peter's work speculative or otherwise there is one skill on which it all hinges
2: and phone phone is critical in my business yeah. um, email is great for informing people but it's yeah. not great for getting stuff to happen you've no, got yeah. you, you need a phone call and you go and you need to pitch and, yeah. and also sometimes you have to cajole or sometimes oh, yeah. you have to twist somebody's arm yeah. or sometimes you need to, they, they don't really get it. So you have to explain yeah. uh, or sometimes you have to say, look, I, this person is going to give you 15 minutes of great radio. Yeah. And
0: Indeed, it seems this is the essence of life as a publicist
3: for me publicity became a little bit monotonous and and that's as I say just for me only um because you're you know you're effectively even though you're working with different authors and on different books which is which is you know quite nice to have that diversity it still felt that I was doing the same the same role um you know you're picking up the phone to talk to producers and basically you know trying to sell them the book and it's hard it's really hard <laughs> There's, um there's there's a lot of competition out there. You know, the Irish writing scene is thriving. Um, I don't know if it ever wasn't, but it's certainly people are very aware now of just how many great authors there are. So you're not just competing with those, but you're maybe competing with the likes of Donna Tart or Margaret Atwood who might be flying in the, for the week and you're you're thinking, Okay, well how how is my short story writer, you know, it's their first book and whatever, how are they going to Compete with, with that, you know, if that's landing on a producer or a researcher's desk. So it's tough.
0: As with other roles in the industry, it requires its own specification
3: took a step back I guess and um, started interning here in Dublin uh, in a in a small um, publishing house um, which was trade and uh, it was a publicity internship and that's the other thing that people don't really tell you when you're getting into publishing is that it's not just the sectors that don't really overlap or communicate it's actually it can be quite difficult to make that transition from editing to publicity they're seen obviously to be two very different roles and even if you know maybe the theory or have had some experience it still doesn't qualify as you know you can assist on managing this uh, publicity campaign so it was actually quite it's quite tricky to to knock down those doors um But I guess the one advantage of of Irish publishing houses and with the majority of them being quite small or a lot of them being quite small is that you actually get to do so many things. Um, So even if you're working for the publicity department, you know, you might still be, um, you know, reading. Well, especially with my experience, I suppose, you know, doing uh, final proofreads and things like that. So you do end up building up quite a bit of experience that way.
0: In the course of Peter's career, there have been certain changes.
2: Not that much has changed. I mean, the media landscape is changing in the sense that, um, you know, there's more and more, it seems to me there's more and more pressure on the media. Mm. Fewer journalists doing more work. Yes. Uh, Certainly, as we we touched on, there's a lot of volatility in the sector. So personnel change. Mm. Um, A lot of times you send an email to somebody a a week ago was Mm. with this television company or this radio and you get a, I'm now either gone or or, or I'm traveling the world or, or else they've moved to another media outlet. Right. Um, so there seems to be a lot of volatility there and, and in in that sector, um, certainly as well in the past, occasionally, if you had a big, you know, big memoir, a big book, Mm. you would be paid for content occasionally. Yes. That is almost not that it was, not that it was prevalent to begin with, but it's almost totally gone now. Um, I think as well the the need for um, uh, you know outlets would be social media is is keying into how mainstream media deals. So they would mm-hmm. be they'd be looking for can we get some audio or can we get some uh, can we do a video can we do a video podcast? So mm-hmm. the, the, they're looking at content. Um, and to be honest, as well, I mean, I suppose an issue that comes up quite well not regularly but occasionally is is. Particularly for artists. So uh, It's different, I think, if you're a full-time academic or a full-time sports person and you go and do a book. Mm. Y- you do your promotion. But if you're a writer and that's your living, yeah. um, you know, a lot of times you're asked to write stuff or, or go to a radio station or go to a television station mm. or even just comment on another book. Mm. And, and, and often that's presumed that you do this for free. Mm. And this is people people's livelihoods, really, yes. you know. Uh, mm. So that, that, um, so you, it's classic. A lot more is being done for a lot less.
0: With regards Arden's Ireland's changing media landscape, Peter is keeping his ear to the ground. But changes are also being felt elsewhere in the industry. And these changes affect how Peter and Amy's profession may work in the future.
2: You know, I, I yeah. don't really deal with social media that much because no. it's okay. too, it's too small and it's too, rep- it's too labour intensive. You well, know, yes. I can't, I can't, tweet about one book oh
0: yeah you know, it's just even, gonna get lost even yeah. publishers
2: find it hard i think to manage their own social media and mm. i know i know it's something i think that's going to be a real challenge as, as as the audience the younger audience now grows older because they're oh, yeah. so prevalent social media is so prevalent so much part of that but the very nature of it it's so busy yeah is um it requires constant maintenance. Yes. And if you're publishing 12 books a year, if you're a small publisher, well, no, 12 books would be not that small, but
0: yes. how are you going
2: to, how are you going to do all the things you need to do? And then also be tweeting five, 10 times a day, mm. Facebooking five, 10, you know, and then there's Instagram, all these other outlets, <laughs> yeah. all, all these other avenues now, you know?
0: Yeah.
3: As well as publicity, which is a lot of social media. <laughs> so, and, Spend any, any of my free time is usually on Twitter or we recently started an Instagram account which um, is quite fun to say that you're managing. <laughs> we do a lot of our promotion actually online these days um, but we do still have a print program and we will continue to do so. I think that gets snapped up quite fast um, during our terms throughout the year for our courses um, but yeah I suppose we for events specifically we would concentrate a lot on online promotion um, Facebook, Twitter—they they really work for
0: us. For Peter, the fundamentals are still the same. But what publishing
2: ultimately about is about is about content. Yes, finding content mm. and curating that content, editing it, improving it, yes, and and then I suppose later on, if you, you, promoting it, yeah, you know, make shouting as loudly as we possibly can in mm. as many places as possible about the virtue of something. Yes, and and uh, so I think that's the key. Is is to maintain the quality of the content, mm. and 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 do as much as we can to to make uh, to make sure as many people know about it. Yes. And if you have great material, mm. it doesn't really. If it's music or film, quality will out in the end. Yes. I think. Yeah. Uh, and certainly, um, as a, as a nation of book buyers, we, cons- we we buy more books per capita than most. Mm. Uh, of our, our most English-speaking countries, mm. uh, and I think there's a real uh, there's a real tradition, and also a real support amongst the public, and also amongst the media. Mm. They they realise the importance of books
0: mm.
2: within the, this. Within the...
0: Ultimately, he believes in the medium.
2: Books yeah. are important in terms of you know, I promoted a book by Eamon Gilmore. Whatever you think about Eamon Gilmore, three years in mm. a crisis government. That's what that book was about. Yeah. That's interesting. Like yeah. What it was like to be inside mm. the room as the book was called. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And and, and it, it creates a conversation or this book yeah. about covert operations in Northern Ireland. Mm. It, you know, a very exciting book on a lot of levels but also yeah. talking in, fundamentally about the role of the state in people's lives, the role of surveillance. Big Brother is watching mm. you uh, and so those kind of themes. And there, uh, those books add to that kind of conversation. Yes, and without that, them, yeah, the conversation is, uh, uh, yeah. the conversation doesn't
0: happen. No, as with other parts of the industry, that process is changing. As we move online, it seems in some ways social media makes us paradoxically harder to reach. If we look at our bookshelves, how did we find out about these books? And how will we find out about future titles? Perhaps by podcast,
3: I mean i just think that, that the publishing industry is is so important to who we are in ireland and to um to think that we might be losing publishers who who know that they're taking risks on on names that won't be necessarily international bestsellers or even national bestsellers, but the point is, they believe in 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 a book or in a person's writing that they believe that it should be read and out there and belong on shelves. And to think that that someday that might not exist—that's that's kind of crushing, in my opinion.
0: I'm Connor O'Donovan, and this has been putting it in writing. Join me again next time when I'll be finding out more about book design. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this and other Headstuff podcasts on iTunes and Spotify.
3: HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See Headstuff.org for more details.